I think our values line up with the ability to have transferable knowledge and and some stability so that we can all maintain sanity in our lives and <laughs> some sense of mas- mastery too. Yes. Hey, Dan. Hey, George. What do you have for us today? Well, we're going to bring back somebody who we talked to in the middle of a crazy year called 2020. And at the time, we were really thinking about how to survive, you know, a pandemic. Mm. And we were exploring all the different crafts that are inside the team. And we talked to our good friend, Rob Lafeve. Yeah, we Employee did. number one, the original, the OG yep. of Crema. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> since then, <laughs> since OG. then, we have, uh, he's the original gangster. That's right. Of Crema. Since then, we've, we've done a reorganization um, uh, the first of the year. And Rob stepped up into a new role um, mm-hmm. uh, called the director of development. And this has kind of changed some things. And we're in the process of that kind of transition taking place over Q1, but it's changed some things. So I thought, let's bring him back on the podcast and talk about what is he thinking about now as we're exploring kind of each of the crafts inside of Crema yeah. and um, how we support what we do. And yep. we're getting ready to grow. So I know he's thinking a lot about how do we do that well on our development team. Love so it. So let's do it. Let's just bring him in because he's already here. Rob, how are you today? I'm doing really, really good. Trying to stay, stay warm. It's low mm. so zero. Cold. Yeah. Seeing yeah. you here today, Rob, it really warms my heart. Oh yeah. Likewise, it really does. Likewise. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Which we need right now, because as you said, I, I woke up, we woke up this morning. I think you had the power on, um, they're doing rolling power outages in Kansas city. Mm-hmm. And Dan, yours went out yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. And mine went out this morning. And I rolled over and I, um, I heard everything go off and I looked at my phone because that was still working. And it was like, it's negative 11 outside yep. and I have no power and everything in my house runs off electricity. So what do I do? <laughs> Luckily it was only like 45 minutes and we were fine, but it's Start still- smashing chairs. <laughs> Start burning things. <laughs> Start burning things. Mine hasn't gone out yet. Yeah. But it could. We, we were worried that it might go out during this yeah. recording. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well hey, Rob, I, it's a balmy seven today. Yeah, that's substantial compared to yesterday. Crazy. <laughs> Out of all the things, and then to have a a, a week of this kind of weather. Mm. So you may be listening to this in the spring and the summer, and we'll just listen. We'll think back to, to when it was brutally cold out. Mm. That's not what I want to talk about today, Rob. I I'm very curious to hear from you as you've been stepping up into this new role. We've changed, um, or we're in the process of changing who reports to you. Mm-hmm. And then that gives you the space to possibly be thinking about, um, thinking about some new things. So maybe, maybe first tell us a little bit about your new role and kind of what that's shaping out to be, um, and what, how that transition is going. Yeah, it's trying to think. I've been in uh, the lead architect position up until this year. And right. so there's a lot of overlap between what I was doing over the last two years, I think, and yep. what I'm doing now. But there's also been this intentional shift as well. And so we are in the middle of that shift. And, and so it's been, uh, it's been a wild ride because trying to 
to get clarity around where I've been and where we're going has, has just been something I've had to be patient about. Mm. It's like you mentioned, the reporting mm -hmm. structure is changing. That's a big change. But yet now I am taking on uh, some kind of management role over a whole development team. And so mm -hmm. I need to have regular touch points with all the folks there, which actually is more people than I was having one-on-ones with. Mm -hmm. um, granted, the, the cadence of those is going to look different. It's not going to be as frequent as it will be with their primary uh, mm -hmm. manager, yeah. um, the group, the group director. And uh, so there's, there's been this weird transition where uh, my co-lead uh, architect is no longer that, but he is transitioning away from meeting with those folks. Uh, and I'm kind of taking on a new role with half of the team while also defining a new role with the folks that I was regularly meeting with as they transition over to this group director mm -hmm. relationship. So that's been uh, a work in progress. We're seeing a lot of move movement even this week. After this, I have a, a meeting where uh, me, Allison, and one of one of our devs, we're going to meet, and and that's kind of the inaugural one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, and Allison's, who is now the group director, she mm -hmm. is inviting in the previous managers in that first meeting, and uh, just a kind of a passing this, of the torch, yeah, a smooth transition. Yeah. So it feels a little weird, but it also is good. I'm excited about the the potential for the the space kind of the, the clarity that that can provide moving forward. So yeah. previously as a lead architect, you were doing both a, how are things going in your craft? And mm -hmm. I, I bet, you know, a good portion of your conversations were still about craft, but also like, yeah. how do you want to grow? Where are you thinking mm -hmm. about going in your career? What issues are you dealing with on your day-to-day -day work? And as you transition away from that, and to some respect, most of your work will be now more really just in on the craft. Not right. to say that you won't have conversations about the other stuff because we're human right. beings and we'll, you, you'll discuss, but it's giving you, like you said, that focus to really say, what does development look like at Crema? What should we be thinking about? What should we be focused on? Because you don't have the, I don't know how often you were, you were, you were doing bi-weekly bi um, it was bi-weekly. Yeah. Yeah. With, I don't know, a, quite a dozen people, but several. Yeah, it's about eight, eight folks. Yeah. yeah. And so that took up a lot of, a lot of your time. Mm -hmm. So now, and again, I know that transition hasn't fully taken place, but as you start thinking about the, the transition to really having the headspace and the time to focus in on the craft, what are some of the themes that you're thinking about right now for development at Crema? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, interestingly enough, the conversations, in some ways, I'm freer to talk about what they as individuals want to achieve in their craft. Mm. Um, whereas before there maybe was more conversation around the day-to-day -day and yeah. the, the, the project that they happen to be on, that was a topic that would naturally arise. And so, so now I'm able to take a step back from that and focus just more on craft, uh, regardless mm -hmm. of the project they're on or team they're contributing to. So I'm really mm -hmm. excited about that. I had a had an awesome initial meeting with somebody that I've never met one-on-one -on -one with yesterday. And 
he and I were uh, talking through some questions that I had prepared and I still got to ask questions like, for, for how do you define success personally and professionally, right? Right. So, um, and that pretty quickly dug deeply into how this individual saw their craft and how they wanted to see overlap between their personal ambitions and mm. what they were doing professionally. And it was really cool to get to explore that with this person and then also hear about the things that they were uh, thinking about that were top of mind for them for the craft. Um, so really, I'm kind of in this intelligence gathering phase right mm -hmm. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't have the answer. Uh, I really want to uh, meet with the folks on the team, get their ideas out, see what, what they're concerned about, mm -hmm. maybe where the maybe where there are gaps in our services, skill sets, practices, and, and really start talking about how we can make progress there. Mm. Um, we're also, as a craft, as, as a product team, uh, so our production teams consist of designers, developers, um, product managers, testers. We are, as a product team, we're going through an initiative right now where we're just trying to assess what our current defaults around quality are. And mm -hmm. as developers, that's, that's probably 80% of what we think about. Typically, um, you talk about new frameworks, tools, new technologies. Well, half the time, if not more, we're thinking about how can we use what we're currently using better, right? And so oftentimes the conversations that I'm going to be having with developers is more that that depth of knowledge uh, approach versus the breadth of knowledge where a lot of that exploration happens. Um, and both are super important, but we also, as a team in our day-to-day, -day, primarily need to be digging deep into our craft um, and sharing that knowledge, writing it down. Um, it's another initiative as far as... Uh, writing all that stuff down, document, documenting uh, mm -hmm. our onboarding process, documenting our best practices. But what those defaults actually are is something that I'm really excited to get to do because I have the bandwidth now to, to focus on that and lead those initiatives. So it sounds like a little bit your lens has shifted a bit. Yeah. It's like your energy and effort were, were towards a defined small group of people, mm -hmm. eight to nine individuals, both in their craft, but also in how they were contributing to the, their product team in the hopes and the goal of them um, improving and becoming better at the craft. Now it's almost like you're the steward of the craft as a whole, and you're mm -hmm. hoping that by remaining leading edge, making sure that we continue to in, in, um improve our quality um, company-wide, that in of itself will hopefully have an effect on the individuals that are part of that craft. So it's almost like the subtle nuances that your lens has shifted a bit, a focus on the craft to influence the people rather than a defined group of people that hopefully influences the craft. Yeah, kind of a little bit. I think that's, I think that's a great way to put it. Just that shift in focus mm -hmm. and now, I mean, if you were to diagram it out, you'd see this bubble and we have, you know, in our organization yeah. chart um, and and really just seeing that bubble as my primary uh, realm 
of thinking. Of course, what's exciting is that now we have directors across each of those yeah. roles on the product team. And so I'm also primarily uh, part of regular meetings with those people. And, and so we're all talking about the challenges we're facing in our individual crafts and roles. And uh, there's gonna be a lot of exciting um, collaboration that can happen there because that visibility now is, is, is heightened. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, you're right. It's taking, it's taking it less from this focus on this small group of people, but also I was blind towards maybe the other half of mm-hmm. that group of developers, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now I have greater context, maybe less individual context now, but I have full context into, mm-hmm. into the development team, which I think as our company grows, as, as the team grows, that's going to be really valuable to have somebody who can who can first empathize with them because i'm i'm a developer too i Mm -hmm. I love i love the craft uh so i'm i'm nerding out with everyone just as much as as anyone on the team is and being able to represent their needs to the rest of the team and vice versa i think is probably one of the most important roles i play of course, mm-hmm. not becoming a bottleneck, but just facilitating those mm-hmm. connections. Um, definitely encourage people to get things done on their own, make things happen, give them autonomy in that way. I, I don't want people to have to come to me and get permission to do those things. Um, mm-hmm. But in any I think, way that I, think I a lot about surface it, I, I want to. Yeah, I think a lot about about what you're now. Both you have the space for yourself, but you get to create the space for your team. Mm-hmm. to to have those conversations to explore to refine uh to document <laughs> and yeah. um i know when you were talking about what you were excited to jump into is like oh man i'm just excited to kind of bring them together mm-hmm. um and half of the battle is just doing that just being intentional about saying hey guys i know everybody's are people i know that you're all busy doing all the things that we do for our clients for ourselves etc but it'd be great if we could get together and um and ask some questions and explore some mm-hmm. things. So Rob, you mentioned quality and I know part of that is documentation or excuse me, you mentioned defaults. And one of those, um, some of that is about documentation. I was having a conversation with uh, another agency owner. Oh gosh, a few weeks ago. And one of the things that he was talking about was like, you know, programming's programming. And as long as, you know, we'll basically say yes to anything because um, the technologies are really not that different. And well, you know, if it's, if it's .NET or if it's JavaScript or if it's Cobalt, it doesn't really matter. It's all just syntax. And I thought to myself, I get what you're saying. I mean, I get that there's a certain level of truth to that, but it's, there are, there is a, a specialty to kind of knowing your craft and even more so maybe even the niche inside your craft. Mm-hmm. What would be your response to that as you're thinking about, again, kind of bringing together our craft team we are not all things to all people. We do have an opinion about how we approach development. If you if you hear another agency or if you hear another person saying, eh, pick whatever tech you want or do whatever you want, um, we can probably do it all. And I'll say yes to anything because you know what, work work is work. Yeah. I'm kind of curious your response from a development um, perspective. How I'd be curious that? to know what his team thinks of that response. So. Hmm. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's a completely fair analysis, right? 
programming is programming and some people really thrive on the variety that can mm -hmm. be had in this kind of work because once you do reach a certain level of experience you do see through the syntax you do see the sameness between the tools you're using um but as with anything it comes with trade-offs right so right, right. you're going to have a different a diff different speed uh, of of onboarding, you know, new employees. You're going to have a different level of documentation. Well, what do you document? You know, if if you don't know what you're going to be working on the next day, I mean, you should document that. Fact, mm -hmm. I think. Um, so, I mean, I really think as long as the company is clear about that being their approach, then that's fine. They'll just have to be con con conscious that not everybody wants to work that way, that there are people who, who do find great satisfaction in knowing what tools are going to use tomorrow. Um, and some people yeah. don't. So I think it's a rather pragmatic response, I suppose, but mm -hmm. we tend to have folks who really enjoy the tools they use. The tools we use are pretty, uh, they're very popular. They're not niche um, tools. We use React for all of our front end. Uh, so we're using JavaScript. We, beyond that, use TypeScript for all of our stuff. So again, these are not niche uh, technologies. These are very popular technologies. They're in demand right, right now. It's one of the in reasons demand, we've chosen. Yeah. Easy to hire for. So we've chosen those tools based on a set of very practical um, uh, parameters, right? We've, we've gone like, what's going to be easy to hire for? What's going to be easy to for our clients to hire for say we're not the team for the rest of their products lifespan which is mm. very likely um how are they gonna how are they gonna hire somebody if, if we've chosen a very niche technology um yeah so I, I think those are all things that we think about um and i think our values line up with the ability to have transferable knowledge and and some stability so that we can all maintain sanity in our lives and <laughs> some sense of mas mastery too. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Rob, yeah. Rob, George mentioned defaults. That's a new word, or at least it was, I mean, it's been a word around Kerma for several months now, but I think maybe even industry-wide, I mean, other words you might hear standards, norms. Um, these are the norms. This is how we do things around here. What do we mean about defaults? I know that you've been, at the pretty beginning stages of uh, how do we think, um, not just in development, but across our crafts, what are defaults? Can you describe, define yeah. what those are maybe? And then from the development context, give maybe an example of what a standard yeah. could be, but what we might determine as a default. Yeah. Well, I, I think defaults are a fun, the fun topic just from a development standpoint in the first place, because this is a concept that is very practical to us in our day-to-day. -day. So when you're, say you're writing a function, right? And it takes in information through a parameter, you can, you can define a default value. So if I call mm -hmm. that function without that parameter provided or that value provided as an argument, I then get the default, you know? But mm -hmm. if I do provide mm -hmm. that value, it, it ignores the default. So, mm -hmm. so again, that's just a very basic example of how defaults really work in, in the day-to-day as a programmer. Uh, so it's a concept that's very easy, I think, for developers to understand that, mm -hmm. hey, we have 
not a standard to adhere to, but a default. And the default takes precedence when no other option or no other value is provided, right? Mm -hmm. No other answer exists that is better. So we use the default. Mm -hmm. So that's the nerdy explanation. I like it. But why not? Uh, So I think examples of defaults and standards, I I think it's important to realize that you should, there are going to be standards. There are going to be defaults and those, those can coexist Hmm. in harmony. That's a good point. Sometimes defaults might one day become a standard that just isn't worth questioning unless there's Mm -hmm. some massive shift in, in the whole industry. I guess one would be, do we use Git for versioning our software or, you know, for version control in our software, or do we use subversion or mercurial? I can't say it. Mercurial. I can't, yeah, I can't say it. It's good. I get it. <laughs> yeah, it's good. <laughs> what, what version control system do we use? Well, the right. industry has really landed the plane on Git. Now there are shops that don't use Git. They use subversion or something else, and they may have very legitimate reasons for doing so. But for us, you're, we never have to question, are we using Git? Mm. Um, it's it's a standard. Mm-hmm. Whereas something that I would consider is a default in for us would be, do we use uh, TypeScript? So TypeScript is a default for us because we're writing JavaScript. Type, TypeScript compiles to JavaScript with some advantages. Um, our team has pretty organically adopted TypeScript. It's not because we mandated that we do so or anything mm-hmm. like that. It's just, it, it became apparent to everyone that that was the way to do things and the way the industry was headed and the way our team was where we were headed. Mm. But are there other languages? Are there other um, solutions to that problem of, pro- of producing high quality code? Yeah, definitely. And will we always be writing TypeScript? Probably not. Mm. So, so to standardize it, to that degree, um, to the degree where you, you're not free to even explore other options would be kind of short-sighted mm-hmm. on our part. Um, now I would say TypeScript as a team is a little bit more, it's a little closer to a standard than to like a loose default. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a spectrum, um, but again, could someone come along and justify experimenting with another language? Sure, if the project was right, um, if the platform made sense of it, I mean, we've, mm-hmm. we've explored Flutter, which uses Dart. Um, so a lot of times that's kind of dictated by the platform you're targeting mm-hmm. and maybe the overall framework you're using. Um, so yeah, taking all those constraints into consideration and then yeah. making a good decision without blindly, you know, choosing your, from your options is, is right. But I think what's, what's really, what you guys have done well is there is this need. And when we talk in the framework um, about disciplines, one of the things that we talk about is like, there's a need to explore, which mm-hmm. is to say, I need to look up from the grind of like what we know really well now, because if we didn't look up, we'd still be using rails, right? Sure. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but there's a lot less and less people using a traditional MVC frac- or of rails, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And, and, and so looking up occasionally to say, oh, there's this thing called Flutter. I'll, I will test it out or we'll try it out. I'll be honest. We've been trying it out over the last year. And now we're anything that we wrote on the side in Flutter, we're kind of rewriting in React Native because it, it, the community wasn't supporting in the way that we expected. Mm. There was enough challenges that it just wasn't worth the time. The, I think that the challenge, I think for anybody in any craft 
is to balance that exploration of the shiny objects, the things in front of you, the things that you're curious about, Mm-hmm. And also refining that skill. So actually thinking about, okay, yes, but today I need to contribute. Hmm. And my contribution right now comes through writing React with TypeScript because that's becoming a norm for us or a standard for us. And um, you know, maybe we we prefer we're starting to move towards like GraphQL databases, or we're you know maybe um, Postgres isn't exactly the thing like it used to be anymore, or. Maybe we're not doing Redux the way that we thought we would, et cetera, et cetera. Those are, those are incremental changes of looking up and also saying, but we got to get work done. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And there's, there's an awareness of when, when to make those changes. It can be very disruptive to, to explore when you're in the midst of say a mature code base where those decisions have already been made. And there would be a lot of, um, it would be very expensive to, to shift direction, um, it would just take a lot of, there's a lot of momentum already going in a certain, with a certain pattern or a certain library. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I think the advantage we have as an agency is that, well, we have a lot of different projects, a lot of different teams. Some of them are starting new projects. They're gonna operate based on the best new information we have. We have a lot of teams that are doing the best they can with decisions that have already been made and maybe a legacy code base. And both of those present different opportunities and different ways that you approach exploration. Hmm. Um, and I'd love, I mean, I personally love the constraints that real world places on us uh, because we're never just sitting there like, what's the best tool we can use? It's yeah, like, what's well, the perfectly ideal archetypal, right. you know, yeah. It's like, well, give me all the constraints. It's like, okay, what's the tool we can use as a team where everybody knows React, everybody knows TypeScript, Everybody is already, you know, using these tools for testing. Okay, now tell me what the best next tool we can use is. So then it's about evaluating where those pain points in our existing processes exist mm-hmm. with the existing tools we're using. Keeping an ear out. I mean, everybody's on Twitter. Everybody's, you know, knows kind of what those hot new things are and kind of, we've, we've also created a board where we've specifically outlined, okay, what do we always use? What do you sometimes use? What do you want to use? What do you mm-hmm. never want to use? Right across <laughs> yeah, across the various parts of the stack, so both back end and front end uh, for web and mobile, and and so that's a space where people can put down those those tools that they would love to use ideally in mm. the next project or migrate to to using in the current project. So um, it's just it's just all those constraints that that you have and. And I think sometimes those provide clearer answers than if you were to just sit, sit there and try to evaluate tools in a vacuum, hmm. um, which is great. <laughs> it uh, solves so, real problems. I want to take us down a different path real quick towards the future a little bit. So Rob, as if, as you settled into the, the shepherd of the craft of development at Crema, as you've been kind of dreaming or you know, thinking about what's the next exciting opportunity that I'm um, excited to investigate or explore or research. Um, what's come about? What's come about is, you, you know, you've scribbled on a pad of paper or note, whatever note uh, taking system you use. What's kind of like, ah, oh, I'm looking forward to putting some time into that, some effort into that. Yeah. There's a few different areas that come to mind. This year, I've really stepped into um, driving the hiring 
process for our development for new developers. That's really opened up an entirely new world for me. Um, I've been involved in that process previously, but maybe not seeing the whole process through from start to finish. And just the 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 challenges of assessing individuals, potential hires. How do how do we do that? Like, what is a way that that does that fairly? Um, takes into account all the various factors that, that you want to be mindful of, uh, that you want to appreciate in hiring, but also doesn't put our team at, in jeopardy by you know hiring someone who doesn't have the skills that they seem to or, mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, so that's one area where I'm, I'm doing a lot of heavy thinking and research and, and kind of learning as I go. Uh, we've some live coding into our screening process uh, and how we do that moving forward is something we're continuing to explore uh, but it's given a lot of insight into into those individuals and how they handle a stressful situation even right it's one thing to sit in an interview and I mean that's stressful too but uh, but maybe in a phone screen like one-on-one -on -one with someone just you know looking at some code solving a problem that should be fairly easy and and seeing kind of where their head goes, what solutions they they reach for. That's been really insightful. Uh, and I'm excited about that. There's a lot of research done, a lot of information out there about that. Um, and we're getting to figure that out right now. So hiring, that's, that's one area. Yeah, I think that's an area, honestly. So we mentioned it before, but Krim is, is in a growth stage. And yeah. I think this is something that I think a lot of technical teams or innovation teams can really pick up from from what we're talking about here, because the principles that you're talking about are true for whether you're in-house, whether you're an agency, um, whether you're a startup or an enterprise, right? Right. And, and it comes back to how do you get the right people in um, that are capable of producing the outcome that you're, you're, you're working towards? How do you set the expectations of what our defaults are so that they don't have to recreate the moon, as we used to say, or recreate the wheel every <laughs> single time? The great and, Georgism, uh, yeah, that's my yeah. favorite. I'm so good at mixing them up. Um, but I think that's that's such a, a lot of what I'm what we're trying to do here on the podcast is really try to think, okay, what are those principles that are true? Obviously for what you're exploring, Rob, in your particular role. Yeah. But if I were to go and talk to someone who is a director of development at a, you know, a product organization or an enterprise that has a product team or an innovation team or another agency, what would the, what would the kind of tips and tricks be to say, you know, you really should be thinking about this. And um, I think you've already, the way that you're approaching both the, the human side of it, which is to say, where do, you, where do you developer that actually sits there and writes the code, where do you see things happening? Yeah. Um, let me listen, let me ask questions. And at the same time go, I wanna make sure that I bring people in that listen well, that know how to do their craft, that wanna level up their game, that are able to talk to clients and talk to users and talk to customers. Um, what are, I guess maybe if you were to turn it outward, if you were having a conversation with another director of development at another organization, what would be like the three things that you would say, here's where I'd start, at least be thinking about these three things. And I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, but like, what are some things that maybe you would say, I really think this is where some of the the magic happens. And it maybe isn't like hmm. reading this like blog that's the expertise about React's newest. Oh, you know. yeah. Tools, I, I don't mean to to 
synthesize the tools themselves. That's, that's, oh, I don't that's think really you do. Just... I think that that's what's so great about the way you're approaching it is that it, we do have a specific focus on the tools. Sure. That's the easy part. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> but you're actually saying it's a, it's really about uh, a set of disciplines and behaviors and mindsets that allow us to get better at the tool, whatever the tool is. Yeah. And to also be, make space to explore what's next. Yeah. Um, what, what would you, what would you give um, as, a, as a few tips towards people that are in that same position? Well, I, I probably would, would uh, approach that conversation very uh, humbly <laughs> because <laughs> I, I would like to, uh, I probably would ask that question first before I would give the tips. But um, if I were to give tips, I mean, all I can do is think of how I've been handling this personally. Yep. And one thing I've been realizing is that in a leadership role, that's what this is. It is, it is a leadership role. Um, you have to shift your, your criteria for what it means to get things done. The advantage of being an, an individual contributor is that your contributions are very tangible, very mm -hmm. concrete, mm. completely challenging. Like there's no getting around a concrete roadblock, right? You just, you have to tackle it, right? There's no coming back to it later. You have to get it done when you're coding and you need to get a feature out. So for me, shifting my mindset over to, oh, you know what success can look like rewriting a job description. It can look like figuring out what our hiring process looks like, even to the nitty gritty details of how do I templatize this so that it's just less time consuming? Um, it can be having that conversation with someone where they're they're oozing like philosophy of, of development and just kind of speaking out with them, but realizing that they're doing the heavy thinking there and that I'm just here, not just here, but I'm here to encourage that and to tease that out and to normalize that conversation, maybe maybe expose that um, in an appropriate way to the rest of the team. So just trying to connect the dots, you're kind of a switchboard operator. So I know this is just a, a, a word vomit, but. Oh, I love um, it. It's good. I, think I don't know. These are the things I'm trying to, trying mm -hmm. to work through personally, because I, yeah. it has been a, a bit of a roller coaster ride the last few years, just mm -hmm. figuring out what my identity as a developer is, or am I a developer anymore? Or, mm -hmm. you know, what are my contributions to the team? So. Mm -hmm. Oh, Rob, I like, you, and, yeah. you and I need to go <laughs> grab a drink and just sit down and talk long and hard about that. Yeah. I, I feel oh, you I'm on sure. that. You have all been dealing with this for so long now, yeah. um, but now I'm feeling some of those same, you know, I'm asking those questions now. Yeah. I think what you're voicing Rob um, very well, and as you move along in your career, especially from a leadership track is that, and this was advice given to me a long time ago, is that you can't measure your work by the length of your task list because your tasks may know, are no longer many, they're just weighty. right? And so you have fewer tasks, but they're incredibly heavy. Um, and the way you described, like, I love that switchboard operator. Um, you're the sounding board for someone who's processing. Again, yeah. these aren't, you may not have a really long task list, but they're just weightier. Um, and that's a shift. It's a shift in mindset mm -hmm. and it takes a while. Um, it took me a while to get there. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. To be quite honest, because it's like you, you go with like a pad of paper that's, you know, a mile long and now it's just like, it's a sticky note with one thing on it. And you're, you're, it's like, I need to get to that. Yeah. I don't want to right now. <laughs> I want, I want to go do these other things, well, but I and, need to get to that weighty task. Yeah. And I, I think getting clarity still around what those most important rocks are, you know, the big mm-hmm. rocks that like you're describing mm-hmm. that one big yeah. rock and being able to think about it and sure break it down into component parts but having that level of clarity i think is something that i'm still struggling to 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 get my get a handle on um because i'm i've gone from very low level clear to very high level kind of ambiguous mm-hmm. and there's a lot of different important things to do or to to have my you know to have my eyes on uh whether it's hiring or apprenticeships or How's the, how's the team doing currently? Where should we be growing? What are our goals for the year? Uh, what is our professional development budget? You know, are people using it? Do we need to put on, you know, do we need people to be going to conferences? You know, that kind of thing. It, I, I think finding a way to condense all of those down into a single, like sticking out, like you're saying, just in my brain so that I know like, hey, these all serve the same purpose. Mm. They're all you know, driving towards that same goal. I think I'm getting there. <laughs> uh, some days are better than, than others. Some days I have that clarity and, and it's invigorating. And some days it's just like, why is anybody trusting me to do this? This <laughs> oh seems, my very, <laughs> seems very foolish, oh, of him, you know, dude, no. to be honest. Uh, or even like, hey, I've still got things I want to learn and grow in as a developer. Yeah. I still want to do that thing. I how can I lead other developers if, if, you know, I'm, you know, I haven't arrived at any sort of like level of mastery that I may saw in myself. So, so I think about all of that and realizing like, Hey, I'm playing a distinct role. I didn't, I, I don't have this role because I'm the best developer. I work with all some very, very smart people who, who are miles ahead of, ahead of me in, in their craft. And and that's cool because I get to still learn from them. I still get to scratch that itch from time to time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but really I'm, I'm allowing them to, to do their best work and to grow Prema, you know, at the end of the day. So Rob, I, yeah. I absolutely adore the, the authenticity of kind of like, you've always had this, 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 um, posture of, I mean, truly humble confidence, right? Like this is what we talk a lot about is like, I, you have a confidence to step in and say like, man, I'm going to write. I remember when you used to get like, I can write the most efficient. I mean, this is back in the day, but like the most efficient <laughs> stylized thing. Right. Um, or, or, you know, really I can, I can create the, the most efficient um, uh, set of uh, principles how we'll, we'll approach this problem. And at the same time, you have this humble posture to say like, oh my gosh, I still don't know what I'm doing and I still have a lot to learn and, and et cetera. And I think what you just described though, of going both from an individual contributor to that leadership position where you're shifting from, like, like you said, delivering to influencing. Mm-hmm. And um, that's something that so many people in so many different teams are going through like right now. Yeah. Um, that, that especially inside of technology organizations or innovation um, departments inside of teams, because they tend to be fast growing teams. And so what you started at literally, it could be months ago or even maybe a year ago, 
your, your role is changing and adapting and evolving so fast. And I think that, um, that often requires this posture of, of flexibility to say, okay, I don't know yet. I'm still learning. I'm listening. Yeah. And I think through this conversation today, I hope people have picked that up that that's, it's, it is about being open to listen and to hear what your team is saying also to kind of make some decisions about what are your defaults, what are your standards and move things forward. But with this, with this mindset of I'm here to help the team grow, mm-hmm. right? Like that's what I'm here. I'm help. I'm here to help the team grow and make Kerma better. Mm-hmm. And, and along the way, I'm going to learn some stuff. I'm going to still get to scratch the itch. Um, and I think you're, you're nailing that you're doing that so well. Um, even when, you know, we all have laps and confidence of whether or not anyone should trust us or whether or not we're sure. qualified and, to be in the position that we're doing, and I'm, yeah. I think you're doing it really well. <laughs> it's, it's an exciting place to be. Um, there's just so much to learn. There's so much room for growth, just different skill sets and different muscles that need to be exercised. So it's, I'm super glad I'm in this role and, um, honored to be in it. And I, I, I see it as a responsibility that, that I, you know, can't take lightly because, because I'm, there are certain expectations that the team has mm-hmm. for someone who's playing this part and they should. Mm-hmm. And I would, if I were them as well. So, and, and at the caliber that Crema, that, yeah. that Crema works at, mm-hmm. um, I think it'd be different if you worked in, you stepped inside of a team and they're like, eh, you know, whatever, just, well, we, we kind of just crank through things. We get things done. Yeah. We, we don't really, whatever the level of intentionality, uh, we just hired a few folks and then we're getting ready to hire more. And Dan and I have a chance to grab lunch with those folks after they've been, maybe it's a di- the first, it's usually the first couple days. day. Yeah. yeah. And I, I love kind of just asking the question, like how's onboarding going mostly because we're not doing it anymore. Right. So we have a team of people, you're, you're onboarding developers and there's a, you know, Laura's bringing them in from an HR perspective, et cetera. And there's like this really great process and, 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 and protocols in place. And what I love is that how often people are come back and they go, you guys are just so intentional. Like this is the best onboarding I've done at any company. And I'm not trying to brag. What I'm saying is it is just a simple set of intentional mm-hmm. practices um, and, the, and the desire to help people be prepared to do great work. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's, that's what we're trying to get back to. That's the whole point of people of product is to say, it's not complicated, but it is hard to be right. intentional about saying, we're going to get better tomorrow. Mm-hmm. We're going to be a little bit better at mm-hmm. all the things at onboarding, at documenting, at writing code, at shipping things, at version control, at, you know, whatever it is yeah. um, that we're just going to continuously improving. I mean, it's one of our, our values, constant improvement. And I think that actually is something we do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I think it's something that you need a certain level of autonomy to be able mm, to do. Right. Yeah. And so having the freedom to, to reassess like, well, the onboarding process to, to, to check something that isn't working, you know, yeah, or to totally change it up, uh, use a different tool to track all of that. Um, what does it look like with remote now? What, what things work now that didn't before and vice versa. Uh-huh. So there's a, there's a lot of that reassessment happening and it's, it really is part of our DNA. Like you're saying, um, even in the hiring process, you know, we, we have a template of questions that we, you know, go through and 
we're now exposing that across crafts. And so we're able to cross pollinate those ideas, see mm. what things they're doing that you know, the, the dev team should be doing in their inter interviews. And um, it's really exciting to start to see effects of, of the greater team influencing each other, um, even at that level. Okay, so I want, I want to ask one last question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shift a perspective just a little bit. So we've been talking a lot about how you're really focused in kind of internally into what makes Krima great um, when it's uh, specifically around the, the craft development, but also as an influencer into one craft, but collaborating with other crafts. Mm -hmm. If we were to shift that lens outward towards our clients or towards the industry, what is something you're excited about kind of the future in general about either what Krim is providing or how we're approaching the way that we serve our clients or maybe even just what's happening in the world of technology outside of Krim. So maybe talk a little bit about what excites you outside of our walls um, as you think about, you know, whether it's your role or just in general in our industry. I think it's kind of, it's twofold. <laughs> There's the internal harmony that we're starting to to really feel with the directors of development testing yep design product management etc that is going to bleed out into how prema is presented hmm. and for me there's there's always this it's, it's a subtle divide between I mean, even you experience this in your personal life too, right? There's a subtle divide between how, how maybe we present ourselves and maybe how internally you see yourself, right? And that, that happens at an organizational level too. It's not nefarious, it's not good or bad, it's just the reality of things. I'm really excited to start to be able to more and more clearly communicate what does make Prema so great. Our team structure, how... You know, we don't, you're going to get the best out of us when you're working with a complete product team, right? Yeah. Yeah. Not just some of our devs or just mm. a designer or, or a tester. So we can all influence in those ways uh, and we do. And I think that's great, but really the, the secret sauce is our, our team structure mm -hmm. and the level of productivity, uh, creativity, that, that we're able to provide the people that we work with. And mm -hmm. so that, that's just kind of uh, one of the things that really gets me excited. I know there's, there's a lot of, of conversations going on around how do, we, how do we actually present the technical aspects of what we do. That's, that's been an ongoing challenge, right? Who, who's our audience? Who, mm -hmm. who needs to hear what from us? How can we clarify that message and make sure that we're all aligned uh, both from that external and internal perspective. And I feel like we're really getting to that point. We're really close to being completely aligned mm. in what we present and what we do. Um, and so I'm excited about that because from the internal perspective, you want people to know how yeah. great it is to work at Crema, to, to be in this structure, to value the things we value. And yeah, I'm excited to see that happen. That's awesome. Love it. Rob, once again, just, you know, lots of knowledge bombs there. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate just again, the intentionality. Um, mm -hmm. Love having you back on the podcast in this new role. 
I think maybe we'll definitely follow up when you've been in it, you know, more than a month and a half and uh, kind of see how it's going. <laughs> and, um, but I think, let me that, tell you, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, like I said before, I really appreciate your intentionality. Mm-hmm. I love seeing the growth that you've gone through over the years. I mean, you've been mm-hmm. with us since literally day one, actually before day one, technically. And, um, you know, over 11 years working at Crema, I love collaborating with you. I miss actually getting to be on projects with you because yeah, that just isn't like the same, but as, as you stepped up into that leadership role, we've been able to collaborate more and I'm, I'm just, I'm pumped about the future of Crema with mm-hmm. you at the helm of our development team. So thank mm-hmm. you so much for, for stepping up and taking, taking that on. It's a big responsibility, but like you, you said, I think you are, you know, you're ready for it. And you're also, I mean, you can tell you're excited about it too. So that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, Thanks for having me. Yep. Thanks for coming on. And uh, Dan, I guess I'll, I'll see you next time, right? That sounds great. See you. This episode of People of Product was produced by Larissa McCarty with support from Gabby Caton, Julie Branson, and Alexa Alfonso. Our hosts are George Brooks and Daniel Linhart. People of Product is brought to you by Crema, a digital product agency. We believe that creativity, technology, and culture can help individuals and organizations thrive. Learn more at crema.us.